Just in case anyone is curious about foreign beggars, that will be the very next episode on this channel. Nerds International proudly presents... Boo! Ah, got you, didn't I? Right, see? Now you're scared. Now you're alive. Now you feel... feel awake. Anyway, this episode is going to be all about peat meat. But what is peat meat? Well, it is a local gaming convention conceived by none other than yours truly, and my brother, and the two hosts of this show, James Clark and Nick Lamley. That's correct, ladies and gentlemen. We all hosted a local gaming convention, and it went down very well, I think. I don't know, I can't remember a lot of it, because I had drunk a lot of beer, and drunk a lot of highly caffeinated drinks. And basically, this episode's going to be about that. We documented the whole experience, and I'm going to basically tell you how we went about making it so that you guys can maybe pick up some tips in case you want to do this in your local area and invite, you know, the local hobos down and things like this. So, without further ado, let's get on with it and uh, let's, let's, let's get into the meat of this, the peat meat, as it were. <laughs> So, first of all, let's talk about how this event actually came about. Long-term listeners of the show might remember uh, Peter from previous episodes. He was on the Street Fighter 1, I believe he was on the last episode as well. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's a pretty good guy. Anyway, it was his 30th birthday coming up, and my brother, Sean, who was on previous episodes of this show as well, he sent us a group WhatsApp message saying that it was Peter's 30th birthday coming up soon, and he wanted to do a nice surprise event for him where we basically played a bunch of RPGs all day. Now, remembering that Peter recently had a ticket for Dragon Meat, um, the UK gaming convention, but was unable to attend, uh, I thought, well, why don't we make this, um, you know, all-day role-playing event kind of a convention-type event? So what I did was uh, try to think the what the staple things of a convention are. And first of all, in my mind, uh, a convention is not one day. It is it is never one day. So what I th what I thought was okay. Well, first of all, let's extend this to two days. So that was the first thing I said to the guys. I said, okay, let's yeah, by all means, let's do this, but let's extend it to two days. And uh, so what we did is everyone then booked in games and said, I want to host the game on this time slot and this time slot and this time slot. And once we had kind of like you know, a full two-day roster of games kind of penciled in. There wasn't, like, a schedule. People had just kind of said stuff. Um, I thought, what was another thing that, you know, uh, gaming conventions have? And it's like, well, it's not just games. They tend to have something else going on. So I decided to organise a raffle. And I'll give you more on that later. Anyway, uh, another thing that you often have at gaming conventions is you often have more than one game going at once. Essentially, what I wanted to do is have Peter turn up and be surprised by this, obviously, but also have the ability to choose between several games, like at a, a regular convention. So, um, in order to do this, well, the first day um, of the convention was already being hosted at my friend James's house, who had quite a big living room. So, we, we essentially just brought another table along, and once we'd invited enough guests, we just set two tables up and then said, okay, who wants to host another game? And it was as simple as that. After that, of course, what I did was I then went onto Facebook and started organising the games properly. 
I essentially just, in the Facebook event, just had everyone's games all organized in a big list and with their times, titles of the games and people's names and then told people, okay, on this date, uh, which was February the 2nd, I believe, that a sign-up sheet is going to be uh, available. And once that was available, I used the Facebook poll options to be able to uh, sign up, which was actually really handy because what happens is, is people can just vote on there and you use the vote for multiple options thingy and then people could just click and then they were able to sign up to games if they'd voted for an option that meant that they were signed up to that game and we made sure to leave space for in case pete wanted to play in games it was essentially that easy a convention was was organized Prizes here, sponsored by Justin's Imagination. So first off, we'll start with one of those. First what you can hear there is me announcing the raffle because that's what we're going to talk about next. A bloody uh, Winter Eternal and Savage Worlds Deluxe Edition bundle. Do you want to roll on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Fourteen. Who is that? You. Yeah. Pete. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. The reason that I wanted to have a raffle and have some like really really cool prizes um, was because when I went to Dragon Me earlier this year with Nick and James and Sean, um, I they they did a raffle there and it was for charity and stuff like this and they sold tickets and I remember we went along to that with our tickets and while we were sitting there there were some some prizes there that were you know some cool some mediocre blah 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 and I remember it just being really fucking exciting like you know uh, raffles in when you go to like one at a boot fair and all this kind of shit they're like kind of crappy you know and, and and things like this but when it's like something with prizes you actually want. The, the thrill is real, you know what I mean? You're sitting there and you're like, I, I might get some free shit or, you know, okay, or maybe I paid a pound for the ticket or whatever, but I might get some free shit. And, um, yeah, for this, obviously, we, we weren't charging admission, but the point is, is that if, if there was, like, actual cool shit up for grabs, then it gives people a reason to come. It, mean, it means that we might actually fill some seats, we might get some people in, and also it means that people are going to be having a great time. If Peter turns up and he sees this uh, uh, little table with all these really cool prizes on there, then he's, he's going to put a smile on his face. And also, it means that people who are coming have a chance to win something, and they're going to experience the, th the unrivaled thrill of, uh, you know, being able to win something you might actually like for free. So, the way I went about it was, uh, I first of all got in contact with Just Insert Imagination, who were basically instantly kind enough to sponsor the event. So, they are amazing guys. If anybody listens to this show on a regular basis, they will know that we do a uh, yearly awards show, and one of the awards is Best Company. Um, so, I'm just saying those guys are in for a... Uh, uh, definitely front runners at the moment. Uh, the only other way that you can get the best company award at this point is by giving me cash. Uh, anyway, they they sponsored the event and they gave us um, two 
Winter Eternal and Savage Worlds Deluxe Core Rules Bundle. So, so basically two prizes were the actual Savage Worlds Core Rulebook and then the entire Winter Eternal setting book in um, in softback. So you got that that as like a bundle, two books as a bundle. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, I got my wife to wrap them up with, uh, with ribbon, made it look all cool and stuff. So yeah, that was awesome. And then uh, Eli... Kurtz from the Mythic Gazetteer as well very kindly offered to give me a print-on-demand copy and a uh, PDF copy of the Blackwood as well which is a really really cool setting that we reviewed on this podcast before it's kind of like wuxia type kung fu stuff and fantasy mixed into one and kind of like a very large uh, scoop of uh, classic horror in there too so yeah I would, I would recommend checking that out but he kind of uh, gave us that but he offered to do it at a uh, cost price as well so essentially I gave him a, b- a little bit of cash and then he gave us the price uh, the prizes for very uh, very cheap so that was really really cool of him to do that and then we had another prize, which was the Saga of the Goblin Horde. I gave away a black and white copy of that. Now, that was actually pretty cool, because Saga of the Goblin Horde isn't actually a product that you can buy. But on his website, Richard Woolcock uh, offers the instructions to actually print and order your own copies. And you can get those on Lulu for relatively cheap. So all I did was go on there and print my own copy of it. And that cost me, I think... 495 or something like that to get one of those printed off so you got uh, so I ended up with like a really cool prize for not that much money because essentially it's again like cost price so yeah that that was two two prizes there for like a really decent amount of money and I have to say a massive thanks to to Eli for helping me out and a massive thanks to Richard for putting those instructions on his website because both of those guys made it really easy and helped us to make it a really cool event and additionally, a huge, huge thanks to Justin Insert Imagination for sponsoring the event and sending those uh, amazing uh, Savage Worlds bundles and Winter Eternal bundles over for us. Because, yeah, it really, really made the event cool. Now, obviously, that was fucking cool. But what I said is anyone else that wants to donate prizes to the raffle, they can also do that. So... Um, I also added in um, the Cthulhu hack, which is a really cool uh, rules-like Cthulhu-based RPG by... uh, Bloody hell, I'm going to forget their name. All rolled up. I donated that too, and also another book called Terra 13, which is an indie role-playing game. Um, So I donated those two, and then we had a couple of other donated prizes, which was uh, from my friend Owen Lean... He donated a pack of cards, and then we had a Game Boy Advance SP that was donated by my friend Johnny. And I think that about wraps it all up. Yeah, that was all the prizes. So all in all, we had this uh, table that was sitting in the corner pretty much for the whole day. And a lot of people were coming over, looking at it, and being like, I want that one. I want that one. And I think that created a quite kind of a cool atmosphere, because it was kind of similar to Dragon Meat, where you could always see the prizes, but you can't just take them. Nah, because you're going to get whacked up. Anyway, what I did when I asked these guys for um, prizes for the convention, um, just as a courtesy, um, I offered to run their games to spread the good word about their amazing products as well. But it is at this point that we are going to get into the games and we're going to talk about what games we played and things like this. And we have footage of the games as well as actual conversations with uh, the people that played those games. So it means that you're going to hear voices other than mine. I know. Thank fuck for that. Right, guys? So let's get on with it. 
So the first game that we played was Winter Eternal Rise of the Ghost Machines and wow, what an adventure. This one was run by perhaps the greatest GM of them all. That's right, I'm talking about me. <laughs> anyway, uh, I am joking of course. Well, I'm not joking, it did get run and it was by me. I'm just not that good. Um, but the point is, for this one, uh, this was where we kicked the whole thing off. So we just had one table at this point, and we had six players, and it was fucking awesome. We had pretty much every race in Winter Eternal represented, and a quick rundown about what this setting is about is essentially that uh, it's a fantasy universe where the sun gone and blown up. But society is rebuilding itself, and it is doing so by using steampunk gadgetry powered by sun shards and such like. And this adventure in particular, Rise of the Ghost Machines, is all about transporting a giant walking robot spider thing called the Crab from one location to another through the, uh, uh, through the Tundra Wastelands. It's fucking amazing. Have a listen to a clip. Suddenly, um, a, an explosive force lifts the front legs off the floor. Everyone's oh, going to need, need to give me a, 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 an agility roll at oh. a minus two, please. <laughs> oh, fuck off. I got a three. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Five. So three, three, and fail, yeah? <laughs> All right, so, um, yeah, essentially this, this big explosive force suddenly hits the front of it. You don't see an explosion, but it just, you, you feel this like, <laughs> like this, and it just goes up off the floor like, do, like it's doing a sick wheelie, um, except it's not a sick wheelie. <laughs> um, but what happens is, is that you can feel like a, meta you can hear a metallic voice. Everyone can hear it, and it, it, it's like, it's, it's the sound of, uh, like, a, a dwarven woman, and it says, please help me! I was kidnapped by a group and forced to build walking machines. They had my family. I escaped, but the cold killed me before I could find help. You must stop these madmen and save me family. You appeared to be a ghost in the machine. <laughs> right. As you guys move up to the top, you can see that there's this sort of ghostly dwarf, um, like completely see-through with, um, with red hair standing in the top there. And um, she, she tells you about this, um, this guy uh, called Jasper Terror. Supposedly, this guy um, used to work in Deadfalls, where you guys just were, right? Where all the ghosts were. And apparently, he. he, he so that was a short uh, clip of Rise of the Ghost Machines, and now we're going to cut to us having a little discussion about it after the game. And uh, we've just finished playing Winter Eternal Rise of the Ghost Machines. Yep, Winter I'm, Eternal Savage Worlds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm here. My name's Harrison. I'm here with Nick. Hi. James. What's up? Morgan. Yo. The talking morgue. And we've just <laughs> finished playing that adventure. Um, so the premise of this adventure is that you are a bunch of guys in Winter Eternal, which is a fantasy universe where the sun... What did it do, Nick? It went and gone goofed up. And now... Out of here. Uh, the uh, earth has been plunged, not the earth, Elorak has now been plunged into an eternal winter, yep. hence the title. And now the uh, there's sort of these steampunk gadgets as well, and the players have been tasked with um, essentially transporting a gigantic robot walker machine called the Crab from one town to another. Yep. Um, to uh, further science and test that this robot can actually be used to go from one city to another. Mm -hmm. And damn straight, can it? That's exactly, exactly what we did. As long as you've got a driver like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. Well, it did go from one city to another. Definitely. However, <coughs> uh, 
On the course of this, it did get attacked by a snow giant. Oh, yeah. And others, but that mainly. Among others, yeah. Among others. But it was fucking awesome. Um, one thing is, is there's a twist to this adventure, because halfway through, <laughs> the... Um, you idiots. <laughs> it's such no, we'll discuss it. Yeah. It was all about hindrances and all that it's stuff. We, had, such we played dicks. it. Right, so what happens is, is this ghost comes onto the ship and says that there's uh, another team of people that have been working on these um, walkers that are like essentially robots that are powered by um, ghosts. They've got these sort of like ghost battery things, right? And uh, essentially they are powered by these ghost batteries and they're going to use them to attack uh, another city called Deadfalls mm-hmm. and they want you to turn your robot around and stop this fucking attack. Yeah, and help yeah. them out. <laughs> yeah. But it turns out we're all dicks. Massive and, dicks. And you know, <laughs> we yeah. just focused on the task yeah. in hand. Yeah, I mean that. We had a mission That's what we, that we stopped to it. I had right. a vow to keep everyone safe. I was mean and stay stiff. I was mean and I was stubborn so I wasn't going to change my mind. So literally this ghost comes onto the ship and is like, you got to help me. All my family are going to die. All of your families are going to die. And you're like, no. Yeah, she's like, shut up. And then she was like, right, I'll be on my way then. Bye. Just faded out. Swims out of the Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you swim a bit faster? Yeah, they all told her not only to go away, but to go away faster than she was doing. Right. Yeah, so we got her right out of there and continued on our mission. And very expertly done, might I say. At one point, the crab gets tangled in some trees. And at that point, Morgan, you played an adventure card, which you found a random bit of gear. And best bit of gear best yeah. bit of gear you possibly could because I'm looking through the book and I'm like it's, it's, a, it's either a scientific bit of gear or a magic bit of gear and one of the most iconic bits of gear in Winter Eternal is of course um, the clockwork sword which is like a fucking chainsaw sword yeah. I'm like yeah. Yeah, it's fitting and it's cool. So have a chainsaw sword. Can we cut? Hey guys, look what I found. Yeah, cut through a tree. <laughs> no <laughs> more tangulation. Yeah. That's and awesome. At one point, a swarm of razor-beaked birds is coming towards you, and Ryan's just like, Ryan used entanglement. Yeah. Tangled them mm-hmm. up. There was also another amazing bit where the uh, where a bunch of people don't know what the fuck this thing is coming towards them. So they're just like, "Excuse me, can you stop?" And you guys just. Jumped, jumped, jumped over, over you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See ya. <laughs> it was fucking great. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And what happened in the end? Well, uh, we we're heroes. We yeah, talking about. We, we, we in the got... end, we were victorious. Yeah. We had to we, climb up a mountain. We I'm gonna. Fu- I'm gonna save you about five long, boring minutes here, where they all talk over each other and you can't understand a single thing that's being said. And I'm just gonna fast forward it a little bit. What these guys are expertly trying to avoid <laughs> is the fact that they did get it there, and obviously they were they become uh, legends essentially. I mean, think about Yuri Gagarin, the first man in space. They're yeah. essentially kind of like that because they're the first people to ever successfully pilot this thing. But what happened was, is that this town that was being attacked, they were warned about, well, got it got fucking attacked, <laughs> yeah. I mean, funnily enough. And now, uh, yeah, Dead Falls, the town that, that uh, yeah, got munted, it's literally, Dust Falls. Literally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even more Dead Falls. Yeah. And can I, let's, let's see the consensus. What did you guys think of it, Nick? I loved it. It was brilliant, good fun. Brilliant, good fun. Brilliant, good fun. James? Yeah, I think it was class, mate. It was awesome. Ryan did a massive mech. Amazing, sorry. Yeah, man. Yeah. Basically, just like the giant mechanical crab out of um, Wild Wild West. Yeah. Just that and with yeah, exactly. giants and... When it was yeah, tap dancing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I personally, I think it's extremely well written. The whole adventure as well. Um, it, what it comes with is absolutely incredible. And, of course, Peter... What did you think? Here he is, the master. He's coming in easy in a sausage roll. Yeah. It was... Come closer. Come on in, Pete. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Great fun. Pete, yeah. Pete, mate, <coughs> Pete, you enjoyed yourself? What's that? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was great. Good. Great fun. 
Um, Look forward to the festivities going on throughout the day. That's right, it, mate. Shut yeah. up now, that's all you get. Right. <laughs> it's your birthday, I'll say. Shut up, Pete. Fuck, it's your birthday. Taking the fucking piss. All right, at this point, yeah, we actually stopped talking about the game and all these guys just started shouting at each other. And I reckon I was probably shouting too. I can't even remember. Anyway, let's move on. We're going to move on and talk about the next game. So next up, we had two different games going on simultaneously. On one table, we had Tales from the Loop, and on the other, we had Savage Fallout. Yes, you're correct in hearing that. It is that Fallout. But first of all, what I'll do is I'll talk about my Tales from the Loop game. So, for those of you that don't know what Tales from the Loop is, it is role-playing in the 80s that never was. That you, you play as kids um, investigating weird goings-on in a town that is very scientifically advanced. So you notice things that the parents and the adults will not believe you about. And you have to get to the bottom of these strange mysteries. It's very, very enjoyable indeed. I always have a good time playing this. It's a simple system where the GM doesn't roll and uh, yeah, always have a good time. I essentially had to uh, bring this game very last minute because somebody dropped out and I already had this one prepared. I'd run it before and uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this one. Um, we played the summertime adventure where the kids had to investigate talking birds and uh, yeah, I think it went really well. Here our clip is. As you get upstairs, he goes, what the fuck is this now? What the Fuck children! He's been backed into this fucking wall here. Loads of birds just fucking attacking him. Try and get us both into this bedroom here. Yeah. Slam the door on the birds before they come in. Right. Okay. So that would be a uh, uh, either force or move, whichever you. No, it'll be force because you're trying to drag him. Yeah. But that would need two successes because they're right on him. Go for it. You can push it. Go for it, man. As you as you try to um, uh, grab this guy, you can see by his portrait, he's uh, he's quite a big gentleman, is Matt. So as you're trying to grab him, you you are you are grabbing him and pulling him, and he is. Um, is like uh, very very fat so you you as you try to pull him you become both um upset because of the situation you see blood coming out of him You're, that makes you also scared and trying to pull him is also a very difficult feat so you become exhausted at the same time it's extremely difficult and it's like get off me you weak cunt i don't like any fucking hairspray rocker cunts getting all up in my shit that's, a, that's what the last yeah. kid that broke into my house said. Next up, obviously, uh, we had the Fallout game going on on the table over the other side of the room. I would love to play you some audio from that. I would love to play you some audio from it. Unfortunately, my brother has a tendency to speak very quietly. And as a result, I can't. I can't play you any audio because you can't hear a word he was saying. I got loads of audio. I got loads of audio. None of it. None of it's usable. None of it. None of it. And to top that off, uh, we don't have any of them uh, doing a post-game discussion because they forgot. Uh, actually, but you can't blame them, man. I mean, it was so much fun. You, you, you can't. You can't blame them because we forgot to do a lot of stuff that day. Like uh, look after ourselves. So I think we're all feeling a little bit queasy, you know. So. Uh, 
but I'm reliably informed that the Savage Fallout game went very well. It was kind of like a um, an action-adventure type thing where they were the Megaton Guard, as far as I, I know, and one of the characters was Gary Busey. Not, not played by Gary Busey, not a character that looks like Gary Busey, but straight up Gary Busey, and it was played by James. So, uh, yeah, you can all, all have a guess at how that went. I'm sure it's fucking awesome. Uh, but now what we're going to do is we're going to cut to a quick discussion about Tales from the Loop and how we think it went. Here we go. Okay, and you, then now you've invited me. That's into it. This. No, no, that's all we've done. That's, uh, you've invited me into this bedroom. Right. Okay, well, we Why are we to, in this bedroom? We had to go into the bedroom because it was away from the other people. We, we, you've got to understand podcast. And right, I've got professionalism. Okay. All right, Pete, you introduce it. Yeah, so we played Tales from the Loop. It was DM by Harrison. And uh, yeah, we were a few kids like rock, uh, rolling around. Speak for yourself. Few kids no. rolling around. What Wait, the fuck what? is wrong with you? <laughs> <Sounds like, laughs> what the no, fuck? We, we were, like she called the police. <laughs> no, we were. Well, don't um, tell people that. No, we were investigating some like strange bird activities. Like um, they were attacking people, and it was pretty crazy. Yeah, that was. No, sick. but let's talk about the game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No. Anyway, yeah, that was the game. Yeah, we were playing Tales from the Loop. Yeah, it's set in the eighties. Eighties role playing. We were investigating some birds. Birds were talking, and then and then these guys had to had to investigate it. Yeah. Fucking cool adventure, actually, and uh, it was, it's the actual, actually the starting adventure in the book, and uh, yeah, the, you guys eventually tracked down that these things had been, uh, you know, spoiler alert if you're going to play this fucking adventure, but that they had been microchipped, and yeah. that's two people that had been ejected from the loop, essentially uh, kind of using them to attack the people that, that fucked them over. Um, now, you guys, uh, Ryan, you were playing a guy who, a character that you made called uh, Jens. Yeah, and he was, and he was a, a popular kid, weren't he? Popular kid, proper hairspray type yeah. bloke. Yeah. Loved his hair metal. Listen to White Snake all the time. <laughs> right, and Pete, your character? I was playing Bjorg. He was a computer geek, and he was kind of based off um, IT crowd's Moss. Yeah, and he even sounded like him. Yeah. He's like, hello! The reason why we were friends is because you done my homework for me. <laughs> yeah. I was a popular kid, and he was the nerd, and he always get me straight A's. So. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, Pete, it was your first time ever playing Tales from the Loop. What did you think? Yeah, it was really fun. Like, um, it's got the dice ball system, sort of like um, Shadowrun and that. So obviously, you're sort of used to that. But Right, except um, in the difference to Shadowrun, all you have to do is roll one six to succeed on yeah. pretty much most tasks. So yeah, simple. which is great. It's yeah. so simple. It's so easy to play. It's streamlined. Like, I mean, we... Well, you put down for like four hours for this game and we're pretty much done in two and a half so yeah sorry about that it doesn't but, um, matter no, like, it was thing, really good we just breezed through it though that was part of the reason that I wanted to run this game because um, obviously I had to jump in because somebody else had to drop out of the convention and as a result I had to jump in and take their place and I was like oh fucking hell I have to prepare another game and I was like oh fuck it I'll do Tales from the Loop and nice and easy quick right exactly yeah. stories there it's awesome and the settings are so cool like yeah. I'm a big fan of yeah. this artwork and all, all the settings and stories they've done Mm-hmm. It's an amazing world, so it's it's a really nice, easy, quick. It's always good to, to play in it as well, yeah. isn't it? It's it's so yeah. much it's so much fun just to just to like as Peter said, roll around in that world. Yeah, and just be a kid on a bike, just fucking about. Yeah. In the eighties, like... when you interact with adults in that world, mm. they always seem like I, I, well, at least when I play it, I always try to make them the fucking weird ones. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. the kids are the only same. They're ones. like a bunch of assholes. And like really. the first fucking adult you see in this this um, adventure. It was my dad, a, wasn't it? Well, it, was, it was your dad, and he was a fucking idiot. But then, then the first adult that you see when you're doing the investigation, he's being attacked by seagulls, and he's oh, trying to yes. he's trying to fuck him off with an axe. Yeah. And it's just like this nutty bloke, and it's just like that's what I love about it. It's like 
you're in this world where the kids are the same ones and it's set in the 80s. I fucking love that shit. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Did you it's guys... It's Goonies-esque and uh, Stranger Things. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Where the kids have to investigate and stuff like that. Yeah. So did you guys did you guys enjoy the adventure? I mean, obviously I'm here, so you have to say yes. No, man, it was amazing. Yeah, we were having a great time with it. Right, no, it was I, a shit game, mate. Right, thank you. Thank you for being honest. No, I'm kidding. It was it was brilliant. Right, good. Well, um, okay, so would you play Tales from the Loop again? Obviously. And Ryan? Yo, mate, yeah, I'm going to play Well, you own it, again. don't I you? Own so. it. I love that shit. I've got well, the artwork book and everything. Oh, yeah, you have. I, then we move on to the evening where we had on one hand where we had on one table Peter DMing uh, Daring Tales from the Space... Daring Tales of the Space Lanes? From the Space Lanes? I don't know. Fuck it. Doesn't matter. Space game. And then on the other table we had Nick DMing Fiasco, which was like a cooperative storytelling type RPG. He's explained it to me so many times, I still don't get a fucking clue what is going on there. I don't know. Doesn't matter. They, they, uh, they talk about it later on and you get to hear them discussing it, so hopefully you guys can fucking understand what, what it's all about. I don't. But anyway, let's uh, start off with Fiasco. So, for this adventure, uh, these guys played something called Camp Death. And it was like a guess us um, fucking slasher movie type thing. Um, and all I could hear from behind me as I played my game was these guys having a great fucking time, raucous laughter, Nick explaining it like a fucking madman, he was so excited. Um, but yeah, it sounded, it sounded like a good time, but anyway, here's a clip. There is no justice, there is no mercy, everything is utterly, painfully screwed, and it is all... All of it, yeah. your fault. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought of, um, How cool is that? I thought of, um, you know, the prisoner of the mind. So, um, because our divorce never actually went through, went through. Yeah. You know, he was using my dad's money in the Yeah, 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 yeah. So it ends up, I'm completely bankrupt. Nothing. Oh, no! I have to sell everything. All because of him, because you couldn't get away from him. I end up as screwed up as... So he was the prison cell? As Ryan. And you Chad know, was the prison cell because you couldn't get out of him and it fucked you up. Mate, there you go. That's your aftermath. Pretty grim for Beth and pretty grim for Chad, obviously. Um, does anyone want to do mine? I ain't even rolled one yet. Anyone want to yeah, roll one? No, roll one. Oh, there we go. What's happening to Max? It's coming into Jimbo Max. That's the worst name I've ever created. Seven, seven, seven black. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yes. I think we all wanted it to happen. And everyone will know your first game. Yeah, I think it's about right. Okay, so I get done for this. So that scene with the whole thing, maybe something bad happened, all went to shit, I got done, it was a pedophile. Adam was looking to kill everybody. Didn't actually, oh no, did it happen the bomb? I can't remember. Well, whether it did or not. Okay, maybe it didn't go off because Chad died before it happened, but I still got done for the shit that I was also doing that was equally equally as bad. Right, cool. Who wants to do who wants to do Sean's? And here is them discussing the game. Camp Death. Camp Death. Yeah. Camp Death. All right, so Nick Lamley was the GM for this one. Facilitator. You know what? I really enjoyed it. Oh, God. I very much enjoyed it. It was, it was really super different. Yeah, isn't it? It was super, super different. It was different, but um, after a while, um, you just get engaged in making a really good story. And that, to, that... To, to me, it was like a big... A big thing like Jack and Ori, where you each jump on and tell mm -hmm. part of the story, and it all big, 
um, you've all got a little director's chair. You know yeah. what I mean? You so can it's like uh, it's like improv. Yeah. Everyone jumps on the stage. It's improv, but it's it's horror role play and improv. To be honest, um, I thought um, like uh, it was easy to understand, but. Nick explained the rules very well, and he was very, uh, very outgoing and energetic. Uh, DM, uh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, as my first experience in the husband's world of RPGs, I was pleasantly surprised, and I also surprised myself. I should probably point out at this point the voices that you can hear there are Millie, my wife, John Samuel, my mate, and Sean Hunt, my brother, Nick Lamley, and James Clark, who you know from this podcast. I, think I didn't realise that I could imagination. I do think you did really well. Oh, no, really? I, do, I, do, I really do think really? you did really well. We created a whole movie with our imagination. Do you know what? It's crazy. I could actually visualise it in my head. That's, and you've done, you've done unbelievably well. Yeah. And it's crazy because, like I said, saying to you guys before, I, I actually run Fiasco for um, my family as well, uh, with my wife, who'd never played before, and her sister and other half. And they all had a really good time as well. Yeah. I think it's like... It really emphasises role play, so you don't have to feel like you're out of your depth with rules and, oh, what do I do now? And, oh, is, it, is that okay to do that? It's just everybody sits down, works, talks about a cool story, and you just all focus on making a really cool story. It's, yeah. like, a, it's like a murder mystery yeah. Um, yeah. where you all get together for murder mystery weekend, but this is like bridging the gap between murder mystery and role playing. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of people yeah. And the bit of fiasco it. is that was just one individual little playset, and there yeah. is loads. So it's not all just that. You can There's um, suburbia, you can do like, a, you know, Hollywood Wives, you could do But it's, it's the kind of game where I can imagine playing it with literally anyone in my family. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So I have my grandparents around on Christmas and I'm playing with my mum, brother and sister. And the twist you know, of this is as, as, as much as you want it to be. It's not you know like... It's um, it's not like one of those board games you dread. Like, oh god, I'm gonna play Pictionary to family. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. Monopoly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I found that was very interesting. Was the whole, um, in my opinion, obviously used to your traditional RPGs. The whole beginning setup section, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I was like, fucking hell, this is taking ages. When are we gonna get into it? But in actual fact, it was great. It's so like it really helped. Play their own part. It's so good. In, it's, like it's like. Like that, like they say in the book, like don't worry too much about your character when you're starting. More worry about the the whole web of relationships. Yeah, and then make your character all evolve organically out of everything. I like the fact together um, that it was very loose. It was like, okay, we establish the relationships, we establish the location, we establish X, Y, and Z, right? But if we think that this makes a better story, then we're going to run with that instead. I'd say it's completely yeah. rules light, and also I would personally say, in my opinion, that I think it's a very, very, very good um, starter game to get people into role playing full stuff. I think it's yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, it's got me into it. Well, there you go. I yeah. think it's um, got yeah. enough rules to it where it doesn't get silly. There's enough to mm-hmm. it. It's like at the very end, um, you'd have uh, all these different dice. Uh, that would determine basically your end to your character. Totally. Yeah, I like that I didn't have to decide my end, I can interpret it from and the no, and, and you don't yeah. need to chance as well. Like with normal role playing games, obviously, you, you, you as much as you can play a cool character and do cool stuff, you're still limited to the fact that you still have to roll dice and hope for the best. Whereas in Fiasco, it's either if you want to see, I mean, you can establish every scene you do throughout the whole game, and then, um, you know, everyone is choosing, everyone else is choosing, or you could think, do you know what. 
I'll let everybody resolve it all the way through because I get to choose what well, happens that, to yeah, my character. That's another on thing every that I like is that if you've got something in place, if you if you're thinking of something, then you can say it. Mm -hmm. But if you're stuck, you can have inspiration. And let everybody for everyone else, else do it exactly. And then yeah. you choose. But you it's give really up the balanced. right to choose what happens to your yeah, character. Yeah, but I, I really, I really cool. like that. Is so it's, in it's, the way it's a balance, that you can have. It? Yeah, you choose what happens. They choose the outcome. Exactly. They choose what happens. You choose, you choose the, outcome. the outcome. It's a really balanced. And I think now that we played it once and you understand how the game works more you can be really creative and also yeah. you can be cunning as well yeah yeah and, uh, totally yeah. I, feel, I feel like we started yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that as much as we were doing a great job we definitely because we was all a little bit unsure same as me as well like I said I've only played this game once before and it was a completely different setting but I think because we were all a little bit unsure it was quite easy to do kind of um, build ups to something but we yeah. never actually built up to much because towards the end we'd run out of scenes we was like oh shit it's yeah. getting really meaty now really juicy yeah, because and we're it, running out of scenes I literally was like right. one dice left yeah. shit it's getting good but next time round you can literally start at the beginning of that party and the yeah. whole game could have erupted around that party yeah. 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 I really enjoyed establishing the characters mm -hmm. and doing flashbacks yeah. that was interesting you know like... being able to build upon like oh I've got this idea like two people when you make your relationships we two of us just have an idea and we're like yeah, okay that's that but then as the scenes go along it's just like yeah but this this is actually better yeah. the really cool thing about that one was as well is uh, the fact that um, it was all everyone going to this party uh, mm -hmm. and in the end the party was the climax of the story exactly mm. exactly well, so, yeah, so actually yeah. so even though yeah so you could say we didn't build up to that but in the end it kind of did yeah it did because yeah. it built even though the party, the party was, was the, the first night well, I think it was also, still the party it yeah. doesn't matter we, we yeah. had that in our minds that there was a party going yeah, to happen absolutely I think and I think some of the yeah. funniest bit scenes were scenes that dealt with elements that needed to be got to build up to this party, like the like the Chinese restaurant and the the firework yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exchange, yeah, you know, good. The, the 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 conversation in the bedroom before with you guys, you know, it was brilliant. And so many things, and, and, and how far you can go, and you really kind of felt like you knew all these characters. Yeah, so that's what I liked. I felt like I was story, watching a soap. So if you was watching a film, you'd be like, yeah, exactly. So it didn't come to a big ending or whatever. But yeah. say if you was watching a soap opera and that was one week's episodes you'd be like oh I want to watch the next one well I, I can and imagine think, playing you know this I mean? again with the same totally. characters yeah, yeah. yeah. you can continue that and do a whole um, new thing and keep you know, what you've already got why not the game, the game fleshed out our characters so nicely totally. mm. yeah. so nice. or if you wanted to take these cool characters and put them into a role playing game you'd then be like right let's take these characters and put yeah. them into Call of Cthulhu or Savage Worlds whatever you could then start a big campaign with this seed or yeah. if you want to write a blockbuster movie exactly <laughs> well that's what they encourage you to do in Fiasco to write a transcript of the whole story story and then you know p people use this as a tool to create short films because yeah. it really pushes creativity and it's great brilliant thanks so much yeah. guys yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Excellent. right enough about that fake role-playing game shit no i'm just kidding um but anyway seriously uh we played at the same time these guys are playing this we played daring tales of the space lanes which is a sci-fi free fucking thing for Savage Worlds and that is available online from the Triple Ace Games website and we played that uh, with uh, Morgan and Pete and it was fucking cool man and uh, yeah we'll, we'll uh, show you a we clip of that now guys <laughs> six armed Alan Rickman no, no those are just for me yeah I don't know what you guys want but the three beers are for me okay <laughs>
of course. Um, I, don't, I don't know why I bother eating. I'm quite happy with my coffee, espresso, triple yeah. shot. Quadruple. Yeah, we'll the half frat mo- mochaccino mezzo espresso. Yeah. Um, Viger sits back down at the table and he's got the three beers in, in, in between his fingers like Wolverine, like a beer Wolverine. Yeah. And, he, and he drinks it. Uh, just and he goes out. Like, yeah. He tilts his hand back and he drinks all three at once. Not nice. good. Yeah, I'll give you a bigger roll. Seven. Nice. It's just like that's how we do it. Back on Dolph Gazer one. Impressive. How much you can drink and masturbate. It is impressive. (laughs) Don't talk about my masturbation. Hopefully not at the same time. We're in a public. (laughs) Always at the same time. Just I've not felt. in public, as you said. There we go. I'm a man of class. So as you've been drinking, like a man approaches your um, yeah, approaches your table finally. Yeah, it's been about three and a half hours, but someone has finally turned up. So that was a pretty short clip because I couldn't find a lot of usable audio in there. But nonetheless, uh, now we cut to the uh, the famous bedroom where we were talking uh, about the game. Yo, hello, yo, yo. Yo, everyone gather around so you're in a bit more right. circle. Bo. So, um, we just played Daring Tales of the Space Lanes. Fucking was... Daring Tales, bro. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like it's like a, it's like wearing a hip hop album. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was the last game of the evening for me anyway, and this was a, a sci-fi game of Savage Worlds DM'd by none other than Flavor Flav. Yeah. I mean, Flavor sorry. Flavor. Yeah, boy. Grow up, the lot of you. I, what I meant was Peter Beckett. Peter, how do you think it went? I thought it went really well. You guys played it really, really solidly. Right, well, uh, right. well, that's your opinion. I think it went pretty badly. <laughs> no, no, I, no, we got a nice. big payday out of it. Yeah, it was, yeah, right, it was yeah. fucking awesome, man. Um, so, what was the name of the adventure that we played? Do you remember? No. Okay, well, fuck it then. It doesn't really matter. But the point is, insert adventure clip here. No, we're not doing that. No, but the point right, is, sorry. is that um, this uh, this adventure it was all about uh, us guys uh, traveling around on this fucking spaceship. We land on this planet, and suddenly we hear about this bounty: a girl's gone missing. But there's also a crystal involved. That crystal's worth a lot of money. But also, a reporter wants to uh, report on our mission. Yes. So this is one of the coolest fucking aspects I've ever had in a in in an RPG in general. A reporter yeah. wants to come along on a very serious mission. A girl's gone missing. And we're going to sell the story afterwards. So, everything you do, you've got to bear in mind that you want to make the story as reportable as possible. Yeah. That's fucking mm. cool, man. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, Morgan, you were playing... The Val. The pacifist doctor that ended up killing more people than... <laughs> Pike. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try incapacitating. And then he would no. shoot off a leg yeah, every so time. You, you had the um, pacifist uh, hindrance, um, but you only had minor. So, you would shoot people if it was absolutely necessary. And you are like, okay, I think I might shoot this guy in the leg... Ended up killing three, uh, like three people outside of a casino <laughs> <laughs> by accident. To be fair, yeah. and Ryan, you were playing Annie Blaze, the captain the of the captain ship. The captain of the ship. That's right. Yeah. And I was playing Viger, a little space dwarf. And essentially, yeah, it was a fucking great mission yeah. because you had this um, like really massive. It wasn't even a dichotomy; it was a trichotomy because you had this like, okay, do you uh, do you uh, end up selling the crystal to the galactic government? Do you end up uh, trying to save the girl, or do you fucking uh, what was the third thing? I can't even remember. Uh, do you, do you save the girl, or do you like um, sell the story and potentially become fugitives? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm. So it was like three mega choices, and the whole campaign was that. It was just this this whole big thing of like. How much money do we want to oh, chase that's after? Why the Federation was after us because yeah. we published the story. Yeah. If we didn't publish yeah. the story, we'd have been okay. Yeah. So in the end, we decided because we were greedy to publish our story about how we yeah. shot a bunch of guys outside a casino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
other stuff. Hey, we're well, all about plus, the money. Plus and all the uh, other adventures you would have had over the course of like twenty odd years. So right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, that's yeah, what see. it is. So uh, yeah, I, I, overall, um, what do you, uh, Morgan and Ryan? You uh, so we will start with Morgan. You, you. This is the first time you've played Daring Tales of the Space Lanes. This is basically free stuff available from Triple S Games on uh, Savage Worlds. What did you think of the setting? I loved it. I loved this all. This all almost Firefly esque sci-fi sci-fi adventure setting where we're basically just a bunch of guys out for ourselves, (laughs) shooting the shit and making money. Yeah. Yeah, and Ryan, how about you? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It was like a real ragtag sort of team. It was like very Han Solo, but if he had like a couple of different people with him mm. as well, it was re- really good. Yeah. Was, what I feel, I don't know if this is intentional, but um, with, that, with that particular setting is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. No, no. no it is a little bit, yeah. You can't. And I don't really. know if that's Peter's yeah. DMing, but I've played it a couple of times, and I've played it with Manuel, who, who kind of tried to play it somewhat seriously. Yeah, that and was even, more of a serious game, wasn't it? But even it? we had a kind of a serious ending to it and stuff like this, and, and uh, I, I've played it a couple of times, and it's just sci-fi but fun yeah yeah and often i feel like that's that's what makes good sci-fi good because if you can have the fun then you can have the serious moments like in this game we we had fun and we were laughing and it was a fucking load of fun like we just fucking did what we wanted that's because the characters are the team i think right yeah and we also had moments where we were just fucking discussing shit and we were like what the fuck are we gonna do? Yeah, you know, yeah, there was yeah. a lot of out of game chats actually. I was quite surprised yeah, by that. Actually, yeah. Right, and uh, that's that's the strength of this particular setting. Yes, it has fun with it, but it also means that you can take the actual uh, drama part seriously mm. because yeah. it throws all that um, taking itself too seriously shit out the window, and then you're just like, well, well let's go. We did get fun. quite a few like curveballs. Like, it started off as yeah. what seemed like a simple mission, <laughs> then it evolved into like, yeah, oh, fuck with this, and oh god, now there's this, yeah. and now we've got. Like, yeah, I thought we were just gonna be running around a town investigating a, a missing girl and shoot, shoot, shoot up a casino shoot up a casino <laughs> spend most of my time doing trick trying to do trick shots for the press end up fucking it up massively yeah. hilariously yeah I try to go up to the casino and just fucking tilt my car over like a massive cunt <laughs> got yeah. served by an Alan Rick from the six-armed Alan Rickman barman. Six-armed Alan Rickman was a highlight. Um, but yeah, well done, man. Um, I, I really That's enjoyed Darren yeah, Tales of yeah, the Space Age. Well done, Pete. If anybody Thanks. owns uh, Savage Worlds, uh, go on the Triple H Games website and download those because they are free, all the characters are free, and they even have all the level-ups uh, available on the sheets. Yes. So yeah. you can just do those or pick your own if you yeah. want. But yeah, it's a completely free uh, fucking thing. So It's absolutely fantastic. I'd recommend it to anyone who owns Savage Worlds and who loves a bit of sci-fi. Even if you don't like sci-fi, I think this will get you into it. Totally, because it's kind of fantasy as well, because you play yeah. space dwarves, space elves, and space humans. I think yeah. it's got a bit of everything Spoon- for everyone, really. Yeah, isn't you, it? Play, you play Spoonmans. Yeah. <laughs> Spoonmans. Cool. And with that, fuck off. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much concluded day one of Pete Meat. Um, after that everyone just stood around partying, drinking even more, which was pretty much a terrible idea. And also my brother came up to me at about 11 and was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make the first game of tomorrow mate, because uh, it's, it's 11pm. Uh. And uh, yeah, I don't know, a wimp, wimp. But anyway, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good, really good day one, but next day we had to wake up at 10am for the first game.
So the next morning we all woke, hungover, feeling crap, all of this kind of stuff. But yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't actually that hungover. Apparently, everyone else was, especially James Clark, who went to bed at 3 a.m. because him and Nick stayed up chatting, shooting the breeze, as as the American listeners would say. And obviously, to cure this, what he did was he um, he bought a pizza for breakfast and ate it hunched over like a baboon, trying to protect some food that another tribe was going to steal. Garlic sauce dripping through his fingers. Um, but this was during a game called Dr. Spectacular and Co. and the Search for Gold, colon, The Fuckening. This was a game GM'd by Owen Lean. Now, why did the game have such a strange title, I hear you ask? Well, here's what happened. When I was making this event, there was a point where I um, asked everyone for the names of their games, and I'm a very impatient man. So, I waited for about 30 seconds for everyone to give me their titles, which of course is completely unreasonable, and then I just gave Owen's game a title. And then he saw that game name and just said, yeah, I'm happy to make a game with that name. And then he just made an adventure built around that name. Basically, what it was was a sort of um, adventurer called Dr. Spectacular, who was basically the most overpowered character in the world. He had a list of edges as long as your arm. Um, amazing stats. Bizarre powers such as a psychic shoe, a translato fist where he could understand any language but only if he slapped you. Yeah, just things like this. And he carried a blunderbuss, of course. And then we had like a big stack of supporting characters who could die easily. But every time one died, another one would swoop in. Things such as a Satan Girl, who was a, a satanic magical girl, a la Sailor Moon. Um, a Ninja Jew. Uh, a bear, just a bear. Um, a psychiatrist who was a bad psychiatrist played by Vinnie Jones, a pirate who was afraid of water, and a hard-boiled New York cop. Um, so yeah, imagine all of these people going on an adventure through a Gygaxian dungeon to find gold. And there were some amazing moments in there, such as a trap that did absolutely nothing except for shoot a dart up into the ceiling in front of us. Yeah, extremely good. Anyway, here a clip am. Infamous explorer scientist Dr. Spectacular <laughs> and his crew of misadventurers have travelled to the mysterious and impossible to find jungle of Pukul in search of the mysterious and impossible to find lost treasure of income what what. <laughs> <laughs> a treasure so magnificent it's often compared to a metric shit ton of gold. But what is it? Who can say? It might even in fact be a metric shit ton of gold. <laughs> as we join our adventurers, they are hot on the trail of the temple as they sit in the middle of a clearing that they made themselves with flamethrowers, which is now sadly out all out of juice. They are at the most critically important time of their adventure. Tea time. As you can tell, pretty much fucking awesome. This is where our um, kind of uh, professionalism on this podcast breaks down because we forgot to make any fucking recordings of future games and uh, actually talk about them. But um, what I'm going to do from this point is I'll just guide you through the rest of the day. So what happened after this is we um, played a game of the Blackwood. Yes. So for those of you that don't know what Blackwood is, well why haven't you listened to our Blackwood episode, why haven't you done that? 
Well, it's basically uh, it's, it's it's fantasy, right? So that's uh, that's um, elves, right? But imagine if the elves were bad, right? But they're not like talking elves; they're like bad elves, uh, ones that will uh, do inappropriate things to you. And then in addition to that, you got Wilshire. So that's like uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So, but there actually might be a hidden dragon because it's fantasy. And uh, that's that's kind of it. And it's like Brothers Grimm meets Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon meets uh, fucking Dungeons and Dragons. Now, Dungeons and Dragons is a bad comparison. Doesn't matter. Read the fucking book. Anyway, the point is, is uh, we, we played this thing. And uh, I, I was originally going to write my own thing for this. And um, uh, I ended up uh, really losing out on a lot of time preparing for this event and my fucking weekly Solomon Kane game as well. So I ended up uh, not having the time to write my own thing. So what I did is I went on to Drive Through RPG and uh, they have uh, a lot of one one sheets for this uh, um, for this setting. And so I just downloaded one of those and I sort of altered it to make it uh, kind of longer. And so I played the uh, the adventure, the King of Knuckle Peak. I'll just give you a brief rundown of what happened in the adventure. And uh, if you download this adventure, you'll you'll be like, "Hang on, but that's not how it fucking goes." And that's because there was a lot of alterations, and I made one big fucking mistake as well because I didn't read it properly. So you you'll understand when you when you hear it. So here's how it goes. So basically, we've got these adventurers, and they roll up to this town. It's called the Last Fork, and it's it's like like this this little village, and and the mayor is this fucking guy who's had these two hunters that worked for him and they essentially um, just fucking ran off with his with this amazing necklace that his his wife gave him and they, they when they buggered off um, they they took it with them and so he he's like really pissed off anyway the, the he wants these these four errant knights to go and retrieve it for him because not only is it precious to him from a sentimental value it also is uh, it holds some uh, sort of like magical properties and so he um, he wants them to go and retrieve it now they track these guys through the woods and they find that there's this um, I forget what they're called but they find that there's this sort of standing stone thing it's like an ancient um, uh, magical standing stone that, that essentially uh, it has some sort of protective properties, and so they, they then get attacked by monsters. Once they're done attacking the monsters, these are like these howler things. They're like part fucking baboon, part wolf. They're really fucking dangerous, basically. Um, they they sort of pick up the trail. They track it to this hunting lodge where there's these changeling elves in there. Now, the changeling elves are like fucking... Well, elves are really bad at this thing. They will fuck you up. And so, first of all, when they get to the hunting lodge, they're sitting down, they're having a cup of tea and stuff like this, and the tea and the ale is like really thick, the fire's not flickering the right way and stuff like this. And then, as they're talking to the elves, they realise that shit is not right, and then, of course, a fight ensues, they fuck up the elves, and then they hear this, like, fucking howl coming off from, uh, from the mountains. Um, and they they pick up the trail and they realize that the fucking hunters have been taken by the howlers and all this So I'm missing out on a big load of details You know there was a point where they found another body and stuff like this and blah 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 Anyway, the whole adventure concludes where they where they find out that the hunters have been taken by the howlers and they find the necklace and they find that the howlers have been uh, basically um, taking people's jewelry and things like this because uh, they they like it or whatever and uh, one of the things is that the the howlers have this fucking scepter. 
Now, the scepter, according to the adventure, is supposed to work like um, uh, the Monkey King, that old um, Chinese uh, like classic novel thing. Well, Sun Wukong, he's a like, fucking character in League of Legends. He's like, he's basically in loads of shit. So the, it, it's also, uh, as he like correctly pointed out to me, it's supposed to work like uh, Goku's staff in the original Dragon Ball. In, in case anyone's seen that, like it, it can extend and and distend kind of thing. So I didn't read it properly, and I thought that it was supposed to make the user uh, grow and shrink. So. What happens is, the very last scene is all of the adventurers basically see this scepter and they all get completely greedy, despite the fact that they're supposed to be brave, noble warriors. And they all run for it, uh, snatch it up, and then uh, James's character grabs it, shrinks to the size of a beetle, and legs it. Nobody can see where the fuck that he's gone, and then he goes to the nearest town and sells the fucking thing. And that was basically the end of the adventure. Um, overall, I thought it was fucking amazing. Uh, very, very uh, well-written adventure. I thought it was um, very well-made. And uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the the uh, extra bits that I added on, I think they, they worked kind of well. Obviously, the actual flavor of the adventure was very much altered from the one that's on Drive-Thru RPG. I'm fairly certain... I've got a terrible memory, so I'm fairly certain the... Uh, actual reason that they were out searching um, and and adventuring was completely different to what's written in the original thing um, so it's kind of like my take on it so it's not really a take on the adventure it's just my version of it I guess um, but the the kind of events as they were were kind of the same but I would highly recommend the adventure I think it's a great one sheet it's a great introduction to the Blackwood and all the archetypes are free as well on uh, Drive Through RPG, and they have great fucking artwork. They're all seasoned, and uh, yeah, they look awesome. Um, unlike uh, Pinnacle's website, where you have to pay for archetypes, even though they're the big guys. Yeah, it doesn't make fucking sense. So yeah, hi, uh, check out the um, so yeah, check out the Blackwood because you can uh, get those adventures and also the adventurers for free on that website and uh, play them now. Yeah, so do it. Oh, the final game of the convention was Trapped Inside by James Clark, and this was a game all about a bunch of adventurers being stuck in a giant monster. Now I know what you're doing listeners, I know you're eye rolling, and I know you're going, oh god yeah we've seen that a million times before, but in fairness our group actually hasn't played that, because I know it's as big a cliche as, you know, you meet in a tavern, but our group hasn't actually played the being trapped in a giant monster cliche before and a lot of people do it in kind of fantasy campaigns where you get swallowed by the thing but we did the the other common one which is that you're shrunk down and go into a side a giant monster um and the thing is the way we did it was james had these um cards that were from um a company called all rolled up and they're essentially these um, playing cards, and they can be used as playing cards, and they also have dice rolls on them as well. But on the cards are these um, random dungeon tiles, and they're kind of tiny, but you sort of drop them down, and then it has a random dungeon tile on it, and they all are modular, and they all fit into each other. Um, so that was supposed to be the innards of the monster. And the idea was that it was a science experiment that we're all shrunk down and we're all people from a different time period that have been somehow put into this fucking gigantic space hippo thing. 
Um, in the end, what happened was is we had to find this uh, fucking device that was um, that would get us back to normal size. What we did is we ended up shooting each other, mine and Peter's character, uh, expanding to a massive, enormous size, uh, hitting the walls of the the monster's innards, and and then we just we just burst and died. So, um, I think if I recall correctly, two of the other characters got out, but we died. So it was a kind of uh, mixed success overall. Actually, with this product though, I thought it was actually really, really cool. Um, perhaps how I would end up using it is if I was stuck for, say, a dungeon design, which, you know, often I am, uh, or just the layout of it, not necessarily the design, the traps and things like this, I might pull the cards and, um, you know, when I'm prepping the game, not during the game, and then, and then use that to create my layout or something like this. I actually think they're a really great product, and I'll probably include a link in the description. But um, yeah, that was Trapped Inside by James Clark, and uh, yeah, that was the last game of the con. And uh, I think by the end of it, we were all absolutely fucking shattered, and it was time to go home. So, would I recommend that everyone do this? Uh, of course I fucking would. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, it was one of the best things I've ever done. It was fucking awesome. And without the help of Nick Lamley, Sean Hunt, James Clark, Morgan, Owen, um, fucking people I'm missing off, Millie Hunt, uh, other people, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Anyone that attended, thank you very, very much. Um, and I just want to say thanks to the sponsors. Uh, so, Just Insert Imagination for sponsoring the event. So that's uh, Mornay and Eric, you the men, you are the men. And of course, I want to say a big thank you to Richard Woolcock and to uh, fucking Eli Kurtz as well for helping out with this. You guys really, really made this shit memorable. And by putting this event on, we made somebody's 30th birthday unbelievably memorable. And we made an event that all of us are going to remember for the rest of our lives. This was unbelievably amazing. So how the fuck can I not recommend that anybody do this? Um, I put all the pictures of this event up on my Google+. Plus. My name's Harrison Hunt. If you want to follow me on there, I sometimes put fucking pictures of shit on the internet. Um, but additionally, I'll whack all the pictures on the Tabletop Twats account as well. So, yeah. I mean, sometimes you know you've had a good weekend when your co-hosts are so battered that you know it's probably best not to even ask them onto the podcast, you know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, this was the best. This was the best. It's the best time. だから遊ぶことも仕事休むことも仕事だけど今日はこないにどと